0: Zabi. in to Mane, 25
1: yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1-0. Blue foul
0: shot! Oh my word! He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans available right here on southamptondelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And um, if this is your first time, let me just uh, give you a quick rundown on things that you can count on. Um, you can count on this show coming out each and every Tuesday uh, as it has for the past 100 in 92 weeks, if you excuse me the third episode, uh, mostly because I can't do math. Um, Other things you can count on, Saints not winning on the opening day in the Premier League, Um, and uh, all of our optimism coming back to really bite us. Those are are all things you can pretty much uh, count on, but you know what? It's over with now. It's not the end of the world. It's just the start of the season, and uh, I'm glad we got that one out of the way, and hopefully going forward, Saints can play um, you know, uh, get get back to playing the way they were towards the end of last season. And as long as it doesn't take all the way until the end of the season for them to get there, I think we'll all be happy. Um joining me this week to talk about the game, to talk about your questions and everything else is Tom Murray. You can find him on Twitter at T214 Murray. Um, he's been on the show a number of times. He is uh the co-host or one of the hosts of the Under the Lights podcast, which is another uh Southampton podcast that you can listen to in the links of course, are in the show notes. He also works at Radio Solon and does the audio description commentary for the blind and partially sighted um, at St. Mary's brought to you by Alan March Sports. So uh, if you don't follow Tom already, uh, you should. Uh, he's going to hopefully bring a, a dose of positivity to uh, to me uh, because I'll be honest, when I started talking to him this morning, I was not really in a great mood. Um, but you know what? Tom cheered me up and that's just about uh, what he always does. So uh, let's jump into the show now. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I hope that you enjoy it, and hopefully you're having a good week. We'll talk to you on the other side. We'd like to welcome back to the South Ham Delivery Podcast, Tom Murray. You can find him on Twitter at T214Murray. You can also get his podcast under the lights at under underscore saints on Twitter. Tom, uh, we've done this now a few times. Uh, you know how You know how it works. And uh, you got to take the good with the bad. And, and this time, I guess it's a, it's a little bit of bad. And uh, maybe we'll find some good in there to talk about as well. But welcome back to the show. And uh, thanks for joining me.
1: No, thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, hopefully we can spin a positive light on what is a disappointing start. But uh, again, uh, it's really great to come. On. I always enjoy coming on to the podcast. So thank you very much for inviting me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and thanks again for uh, continuing to support the show via, via Patreon. I do appreciate that as well. Um, so we just got to start. I mean. Brand new Premier League season, kind of excited. Everybody's coming into it, and uh, the Athletic ran a poll for their subscribers. Um, I don't know if you're an Athletic sub- subscriber or not, um, but uh, you know we lost Carl, who got his own. I, we should say I'm just going to say this is positive to start the show because we're trying to be positive here. Uh, Carl's has his own has his own column now. He's a columnist for the Athletic. He's not just a, a team reporter. So every Friday he'll have a column. It'll be something about. Uh, something about football from Carl which I think is what we all want because when he was writing some of those stories for Saints it was like well this is an interesting kind of this is an interesting take and this is something different and now I think we're going to get more of that and it doesn't just have to be man united which I think is a is a big plus for me.
1: Yeah, I really I like Carl's content. I like the stuff that he was putting on Twitter as well. He made it um for for someone who, you know, is not a Southampton fan, he made it seem like he was on Twitter and was a big fan of everything referring to you know Danny Ings and James Ward-Prowse as my boys, as it were, and uh, so I, I really liked I really liked his content, and it, I was really pleased for him to see that he got the uh, the the upgrade to Manchester United, the team that he does support.
0: Yeah, and and I guess the only real loss, I mean, we lose in that situation because we lose Carl, but also he loses because he loses Sunshine, um, and he has to go to Manchester, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> and and you know, if you follow him on Instagram, if for who's on Instagram, he is still very much. A, uh, he's still. I mean, he was still rooting on the boys yesterday. Um, so so I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm I'm happy to have Carl. Happy to have had the experience with Carl that I, that I did get to have having him on the show. Uh, just chatting with him a couple of times. He's he's a great dude. But, um, I, the reason I bring up the athletic is they ran a poll, and ninety eight point nine percent of Southampton fans felt uh optimistic going into the season. We we topped the table. You know, we 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 beat out Chelsea and Arsenal and Leeds. Um, to to top the table at ninety eight point nine percent of us felt optimistic. I can't remember if I voted in there, but if I voted, I definitely did vote that I was optimistic. Um, at the very bottom of that of that that table, though, was West Ham, which is probably, um, I mean, I hope it's where they finish, but um, West Brom are also down there mostly because they have Charlie Austin running around up top. Um, but I mean we had that yesterday. Is it all, is it all gone now? If we ran that, if we ran that today, would we be down, you know, mid table where you would think? Uh, cause uh, I just, I guess it just says that the athletic is a much different place than, than Twitter. I think that's what I've mostly learned about that.
1: I think, I think that with, uh, with that one, I think you would probably have saints fall down towards mid table, but that's because football fans, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a win or lose. It's a do more, do doom, doom and gloom. Or like if we, if, if we'd beaten crystal palace yesterday, then we'd be like, oh, we could really challenge, you know, for the top six or whatever. And now that we've lost, people are starting to fret. Well, when are we actually going to get our first point? You know, it's the first game of the season. Um, I'm I'm still very optimistic about the season. You know, it, unfortunately, we didn't get the uh, the result that we wanted yesterday. But uh, there's still 37 games to play. Uh, so there's a, a lot to happen. And let's not forget that. Last season we started with a three 0 away defeat after a lot of optimism, mm-hmm. and as I recall, that season didn't exactly end too badly.
0: No, no, we, we were we seemed to be all right last season, and uh, you know it's better to start slow and finish strong than than do the opposite because then you just go into the summer feeling like you know you really lost it when actually you you, you did okay. Um, but anyway, let's let's talk about a little bit about the match. Um, obviously a big blow to saints. Um, we all kind of expected the same starting lineup that we kind of went into last or ended last season with. Um, but Armstrong is out with an injury that he suffered, uh, on duty for Scotland. Uh, Ralph, not happy with the way Scotland has taken care of the players. Um, so if Ben, if you're listening, tell your wife to talk to her national team and, and get things sorted out because we could use Stuart Armstrong doing a little bit better, um, than, than not being able to play for us. But, um, I mean, no surprises for me in the lineup, obviously. Ramey was going to replace Hoiberg because Hoiberg's not there. Um, except maybe the decision to start Smallbone um, for Armstrong or replace Armstrong with him. Is, is, was that a surprise for you? And would you have rather have seen Janapo in there? Or, or what were your feelings on, on the lineup and the way we set up? And it was at this exact moment Tom, are you there? that the optimism for this episode went down the drain. Mostly just from me. Tom's still bringing it. but. Tom, can you hear me? His internet went out, computer went out, and so we had to uh, redo things on the phone. So we'll pick it up here. Sound quality, a little bit different. So uh, you know, stick with it. We'll do the best we can. It's not the end. It's just, uh, I guess it's just the beginning. Maybe there's a metaphor there. Maybe I'm trying too hard. Maybe I haven't slept enough. I don't know. Enjoy the rest of the show.
1: It was an expected lineup for me. I thought that with Armstrong out, and apparently he's out now for a few more games as well, which is a bit of a disappointment, I thought it'd be a bit surprising if Genepo was going to start. And that was purely because um, he didn't play, he didn't have any minutes after Project Restart last season. And Smallbone had been played as that sort of inside, inside forward, as it were, on the right side and he was used to that position, and that's how Ralph had put him in, in a couple of games uh, last season. So, I, I mean, that was the only position that was any real deliberation about. As for the rest of the team, had no problems whatsoever. We That's the team that we used for the majority of the end of last season. So I it worked, and I had no qualms with it. I know a lot of people wanted Giannopo on that right side, and I think now, in hindsight, maybe he should have been used. But at the start of the game, I was looking at that and I was thinking, yep, yeah, I'm happy with that. That's as close to a full first 11 as we can get.
0: Yeah, I think the only real issue with the small boaming over there is it's just probably not quite as much creativity. But you figure if we have... I mean, Armstrong tends to tuck in a little bit and play slightly more narrow than Redmond uh, on the opposite side. And that allows Kawak readers to get up and down the pitch. Um, but I thought Crystal Palace really exploited that as well um, because... Walker Peters uh, was pushed up quite high for for a lot of the match, and it allowed um, allowed Zaha to run in behind or slept to run in behind uh, quite a few times. Especially, um, we seemed to correct it a little bit, uh, I guess, early in the second half, and then uh, as we pushed forward, in, the, in when Janepa was on, actually, uh, towards the, the the end of the second half, um, obviously, they, Crystal Palace had a, a couple more chances, but um, yeah, I, I don't think we can complain about the uh, the team that was out there. We just looked a little bit, I mean, slow. We looked a little bit ponderous on the ball. We looked like we didn't know how to break teams down. And, I mean, those are not new criticisms of the team, I don't think.
1: No, they're certainly not. I mean, what we what we did was we sort of committed the the cardinal sin of going 1-0 down to a Roy Hodgson team. Um, and we know, and any team will know, that if you go 1-0 down to, to Crystal Palace, that they're especially when they've got so many key players out, they're going to put everyone behind the ball and be ha- more than happy for Saints to try and break them down. Because we know, over the past few seasons, if a team puts about ten men behind the ball, then Saints really are, are a bit of a loss. And the it was it almost was like the Crystal Palace home game last season where they went one nil up, and then suddenly we were thinking, Oh how on earth are we getting back into this game?" Because they're just going to be solid. And he sets them up well, does Roy Hodgson. And defensively, very solid, very compact. They crowded the middle and made it difficult for Saints to get through. And the only reason we got back into that home game was because one of their defenders played an awful back pass that Danny Ings managed to run in and score on. So that bit of luck that we needed just didn't come our way yesterday. Um, It's a disappointing start. But um, I thought, especially in the first 20 minutes or so, where we did play quite well... What we did, I think, was maybe get a bit overconfident and the high line was so high that when we did, when, when a, a mistake came about from us, Palace, you know, they're a Premier League side, they, they punished us.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just a couple of other notes on that, uh, on that lineup. Um, in terms of the subs, Forster on the bench for Gun. does that to you signal... What may be happening there in terms of Gunn going out on loan? And, and if that is the case, is that going to bother you at all?
1: I think that does indicate that Forster is going to be, you know, the, the number two. And I would actually be, I'd expect him to, would expect Forster to start on Wednesday. Um, listen, Gunn had a lot of promise and he was used quite a lot um, in like Ralph's first half season, as it were. And then obviously he was in goal for that for that particular game that commentators love mentioning mm-hmm. within about 10 seconds of every 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 match. And he's never, I mean, I don't think he's been involved in the side since. So I think Gunn needs regular football. I think he does have high potential and he could be a really good keeper in the future. But at the moment, I think his confidence is probably rock bottom. And, you know, the fact that Ralph isn't even willing to throw him in to any match it seems and that's credit to Alex McCarthy because he's been in top form but at the moment I think Gunn needs game time he needs to build that competence up and if he can get regular game time at a championship club or you know wherever we decide to send him out then I think that will be for the benefit of Saints because there's a good keeper in there um, but Fraser Forster has just come back from Celtic having an absolute storming season now I know it's in Scotland where the opposition aren't exactly the uh, the best players on the planet but his confidence is going to be sky high. So to have two keepers now who have on the back of decent seasons. Um, yeah, Forster, I think for me, Forster's got to be the second, the second in command, as it were. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's the way it's, it's, it's going to be. And I, the only, my only concern there is, is both McCarthy and Forster are getting, like I think they are, they are either at the age where keepers are at their best or they're just past it. And so they're not going, I don't think they're going to improve a whole lot. And Gunn still has a lot of room to improve. So if we can, I mean, we spent a considerable amount of money on him. So to keep him around, uh, even if it means going on loan and bringing him back to the club with a little bit more confidence, because if you give up nine goals, your your confidence as a goalkeeper probably goes uh, away a little bit. And especially, I mean, I don't blame Ralph for pulling him out of the, out of the team after that because the team needed to, to have a reshuffle. But, um, you know, having that happen can't. Can't be great for your confidence. That's got to. That's got to hurt a little bit at least. And so uh, he's going to need to go and, and and find a way to to just get get that confidence back. Get back in the swing of things. And because as you said, he is a good keeper. And I mean, just his passing is is uh is better than McCarthy's, which was on display a couple a couple of times yesterday. Um, but anyway, the the start of the game, uh, as you said, started okay. Uh, had obviously a lot of possession throughout. Um, not able to really work anything any any real clear chances though and um, I, I don't know I don't know if you if that's a it's a criticism of the team or it's just the first game or it's just because Crystal Palace were basically saying here have the ball and good luck um, and you see teams all over the 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 Premier League and all over Europe and everywhere else in the world playing football that uh, if you just sit people behind the ball you become difficult to beat and that happens with uh, it doesn't matter who you're kind of who you're playing against or whatever. We we've done it to teams. We did it to Man City and, and other play, other people. But um, it is a difficult thing to to break down a team that is well organized and that you know coming into it would have just said this is this is the game plan. Roy Hodgson kind of executed it and, and they 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 did a good job. So I think we have to give Crystal Palace at least a little bit of credit for for what happened.
1: Oh, absolutely. They had a game plan. They stuck to it, and they you know they they let us have the ball. And we know at the moment, especially under tool that we, we play much better when we don't have it. And, you yeah, know, they, they set up really, really well. They made it hard. As much as we dominated possession for the first 20 minutes, you're right, we didn't really have any chances to to test, test the goalkeeper. And I think the closest we got to maybe half a chance was when the ball sort of dropped in the box and Danny Ings just tried to see if he could stab it away from the defender and they, Crystal Palace managed to get it away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, they, their game plan worked, you know, and they went down the left side a lot because that's you know their strongest position. They got Zaha, and when he's on his game, you know there aren't too many players in the Premier League that are better than him. And unfortunately for us, it was uh, it was his day after all of the um, sort of all of the hype between him, the uh, the, the coming together between him and War Prals.
0: Yeah, and obviously, uh, Zaha did have a, a good day against us. He is a good player. Uh, we've given him quite a bit of stick over the past couple of, of seasons, and, and I think for good reason. Um, you know, Saints were hoping to win at Selhurst Park for, I think, the fourth consecutive season. Um, Crystal Palace had struggled at home on opening day. It had been a while since they had won there. I can't find the exact stat, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't work out, but we do, uh, we, we move on, right? And then that's just what we have to do
1: yeah we've got to move on there's still thirty seven games to play, and you know nothing nothing has ever won in on the first game um and what's also good is the fact that you know this isn't a defeat, and then we're going into like an international break and there's two weeks to have it on our minds and think about it you know I suppose a positive of the season starting a bit late is now there's a lot shorter time to fit in all the games and therefore the games are going to come really quickly and we've got Brentford on Wednesday and uh, it's an immediate chance to to put it, put it right. Ralph has hinted that he wants to play a, a really strong team and, you know, just keep... It, it. In a way, you know, there's a real reason to rest players because this is the first game of the... We've had the first game of the season and you want to build up the chemistry. So if we can go into the Brentford game, get a couple of goals, get our confidence back up and then we can head into the into next weekend against Spurs who... It's strange, but if you, you look at the games against Palace and Spurs, I'd almost say that I'm more, more confident about getting a result against Spurs because they will play a game that Saints can play their a game against. You know, Spurs will want to come forward and that's when when teams want to come at Southampton, that is when, you know, we we, we play our best because that's when the, the counter press really actually works because mm-hmm. it just you can't press it's yesterday like yesterday you can't press against the team that doesn't want to come forward
0: yeah well they you can't it's hard to press against a team who's you know compressed and they they basically backed themselves into their own penalty area and and made it made it made it, made it so there was no there was nothing left to press um and uh in, in that regard i mean we we did see teams do that to us last season it's something we're going to have to adjust to um but uh, as i said earlier i think it's 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 difficult and you see what games can look like when you watch that Leeds uh, Liverpool match because both teams wanted to play football. And if you show up and want to play football and put on a show that happens, if you show up and, you know, trying to grind out a point at home on opening day to uh, really get your fan base going, then, you know, you get what Roy Hodgson did to us yesterday, which to be fair, worked, but not, not the spectacle, uh, that we we would, that I think a lot of people would have hoped for, um, which, you know, maybe will will be the reason that, uh, I, maybe it will be the reason that Crystal Palace aren't that exciting to watch uh, most of the time.
1: No, and I think that Liverpool against Leeds match shows what you know football can be all about. And I think that you know I I, I believe that Palace will probably be down near the bottom of the table come the end of the season. Whether they'll get relegated, I'm um, I'm not so sure because with Eze and you know they're rumored to sign a couple of other players, they they still have a solid. They have a solid team, and obviously, as you said, with Roy Hodgson, they know how to grind out a result, whereas some, te- more, some other teams may be a bit more naive about, the, uh, about things. And, um, you know, pa- Palace, it's not pretty, and I guess it's good that their fans weren't there yesterday because that's the kind of football that they are going to be playing this season. They are going to be getting some scrappy wins, but it's effective. And if it works, then, I mean, if, if Saints had done exactly the same yesterday and come away with... Uh, a win that they probably didn't deserve and, you know, d- d- had defended for the rest of the game, then we'd be more than happy to be starting the season with three points.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we can't, we can't have it both ways. You know, if we, if we do it to Man City and come away with a win, we, we say it's heroic defending and everything else. I like to think we looked a little bit better when we did it against them uh, than, than Crystal Palace did against us. But uh, we should talk about the goal very, very quickly, because it comes from a giveaway uh, from Romeu uh, or Redmond. I think it's, I think it's Romay's mistake, honestly, um, kind of plays a pass into a crowded area and then steps towards the ball, which allows uh, Crystal Palace to win it and then play it in behind to Townsend, who to be fair, put in a decent cross, chose not to just knock it across the six yard areas as, as hard as he could, but he did kind of pick out Zaha Zaha with a nice finish. Um, you know, Kyle Walker Peters pushed high off the pitch because we had possession at that point. We were trying to get into an attacking area, so he can't recover. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where we, we, if we don't give the ball away there, we probably don't concede a goal all day, but we did, uh, and it happens and we were punished for it. And I guess we just have to, um, you know, tr- try not to make those mistakes. But I, guess, I I think this also goes back to, to one of the things where we're not quite good enough to make a mistake, give up a goal and then recover from it. We're still, I, I guess that's the quality we still don't have um because it makes it you know as you said earlier it makes it extremely difficult to go and break down a team who already has the goal who doesn't need to go forward um and then they just got to play on the counter which is exactly what they wanted to do uh with our with our line our back line pressing so high up the pitch
1: yeah we don't quite have we're, we're not there yet we like if we go a goal down and a team decides to defend for the rest of the match then you know we will struggle i 'm just trying to think of games last season where we went behind, and one that comes to mind is when we were away to Man United and they went two one up but they're man united and they they came at us to try and get a third and a fourth they 're not going to shut up shop for the rest of the game because if they'd taken you know their first half lead against Southampton and then defended for the rest of the game, their fans would be thinking, "Well, what on earth are we doing but that allowed Saints to therefore get back into the game and come back at them, yeah, when we did we managed to score at the last minute of the uh, of the game to equalise when Man United were putting a few players behind the ball. But, you know, the way that they played meant that we had more of a chance to break them down just purely because they were still play- putting players forward. When you're playing against Crystal Palace, they tighten everything up and they do it very effectively. And we just don't... Unfortunately, I think the, the substitution of taking Smallbone off for Genepo was made too late. And then you think about the players that you have and... Romeo and Ward prowls as good as they are in the middle. They don't against when it's when the team is so compact. It's not they, they don't exactly find the through ball that we needed. And then with Redmond and jenipo there's no one who can play that you know that killer pass suddenly through their back line and feed into Ings. It's a very much quite a direct pressing. As soon as we get the ball, we run at them and try and get them down the flanks in the space. Whereas with Redmond and Smallbone. Smallbone especially, he's a good player, but attacking mid is not his position. I think he's a very mature midfielder and I think he's more in central midfield, maybe in Romeo's position. He's not an attacking influence. And I to be fair, he's played out of position. I think he's still a really good young player and he will he will get better. But I don't think his position is sort of like that inside forward on the right side is not is is not where he can flourish because he's not that player who can perform that you know that yeah. mouth watering pass to to the striker.
0: Yeah, and that's something that Armstrong has done so well. Is you know I think he's at times he's played more centrally in, in the past, but he has adapted to that position and tucked in a little bit and been able to play some of those passes and create opportunities. And and like you said. I would have been okay had Smallbones started for Remeyu and then Janepo uh played where in, in Armstrong's position. I think that would have been okay knowing how Crystal Palace were going to approach the match, you know, but uh, Rob chose not to do that. he chose to stick with uh you know that that central midfield pairing that that he he kind of ran with towards the end of last season, so uh, I can't criticize him very much, but as you said, Remeeu and Digital G- G- Prowse not not necessarily going to be unlocking defenses, uh, you know, and, and we, quite frankly, we can't expect them to do it all. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure Hoiberg does, does that either. So I don't, I don't know how we're you know necessarily what we're missing other than, um, it is, it is, it is just a, it's a difficult skill. We don't have anybody in the team that can, that can do that at this point and that's not the way we're set up. So we're just going to have to kind of adjust going forward. But, um, by halftime, um, you know, we had been, Exposed with the high line, there had been a couple of balls that uh, Crystal Palace tried to play through by just kind of getting in the way of a pass and then trying to knock it through uh, right away. Um, I think Stevens had had gotten in the way of a couple, Benrock had gotten in the way of a couple, but it just seemed like we were one lofted ball over the top uh, from chasing Zaha into our own penalty area, which we saw very late on. Um, but come halftime, you know, like you said, there was no kind of probing passes, there was nothing like that. But we had had seventy-two percent possession. Uh, the shots were even the shots on target were even, uh, but really not a lot to, to write home about in terms of, uh, of there. And, and, and I guess I was kind of asking myself, you know, what do I want to see from Saints? And I wasn't sure that I wanted to see uh, Bednarak taken off, but I mean, what did you make of that, you know, substitution for Vestigard coming on for, for Bednarak? And And I'll be honest that I only watched the. I guess the first half and the second half, and I thought Vestergaard looked really good. And then this morning, before we started recording, I watched the second half of the second half. Uh, so I guess the last quarter of the game, and Vestergaard did not necessarily look as good. So, uh, what was your take on on that substitution that that Ralf made? Uh,
1: initially, I thought I thought Bednarek must be injured. I didn't understand why you know we're, we're chasing a game, why you bring on a centre back. So at, at, at the time that it was made, I was thinking, oh, he's he's got a knock, and we've got to bring on we've got to bring on Vestergaard, and then. As you sort of understood it as the first part of the second half went on, he was able to play like the, the diagonal balls and Palace. Their out ball was I know they tried to get it lofted over to Zaha, but a lot of the time, if Saints were pushing up on them, then their only real out ball was then just a hoof it long. And if Saints have got Vestergaard in the defense, who is you know a couple of feet. Taller than the majority of the players on the uh, on the pitch, then that's a way for Saints to immediately get possession back, rather than I don't know Bednarik having a, a physical battle with IU and then suddenly it's bouncing around the Southampton half and we don't have control of the ball. Whereas with Vestergaard, we can get we can get possession immediately. So I then understood why he made that, but it did limit us, I think, for the majority for, for the rest of the game purely because. Vestergaard doesn't have the pace, and that meant that Ryan Bertrand couldn't go forward as much down the left because he knew if, if if he was caught high at the pitch, then Palace would have the pace down the right to exploit that with Vestergaard.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and as you mentioned, the diagonal balls from Vestergaard initially that was that was getting that was working. You know, uh, they were, we were finding Kyle Walker Peters quite frequently. Uh, eventually, I think Bertrand tried a couple as well, and just didn't quite have enough on them to get them all the way over there, but. Um, you know, I, I, I would say at least we had something different to offer, and uh, I didn't. I was expecting Stevens to be replaced by Vestergaard, um, simply because of the uh, what looked to be an injury uh, to him early in, in the first half, and I just assumed that when I saw Vestergaard getting ready, that it was going to be for Stevens, and then, and then it wasn't. And you know, Bendorak had played, I think, every match or almost every match since since. uh Ralph will have taken over and and I, I don't think we're gonna see a a, a full sale like switch between the two. I don't think Benrak's gonna lose his place or anything, but I just think that what we were looking for um in this match was we were gonna have so much of the ball that we needed to be able to do something different with it. And so you bring in Vestergaard, you can play that that uh, that diagonal and uh hope that you can you can be there. and I saw several people uh on Twitter uh commenting on the fact that that you know Vestergaard's passing is underrated. Um he can definitely hit it hard and long. Uh, and with some sort of direction, at least better than McCarthy. But I do want to say, uh, talk about a couple of things. Um, I think VAR making an early, early bid to be our Player of the Season yet again. Uh, in terms of, of coming to our rescue, uh, John Moss tries to send off Kyle Walker Peters. Is encouraged to go to the monitor, which is something new. Um, and I think that that they go into the monitor when when uh, the VAR official says to you, "Hey." You should check the monitor. That's a little bit like, you know, your parent telling you, hey, you should really consider that decision, you know, or your teacher telling you something like, hey, you should probably check number four. I don't think, you know, just just give it a give it a once over, you know, because obviously that means you've made a mistake. Um, but what, what what's your take on, on the VAR monitor situation and, and Jonathan Moss and then the the red card being taken back and only a yellow being shown to Kyle Walker Peters?
1: Well, when I saw the initial challenge, I didn't immediately think red card. I thought, oh, that potentially could be something. And then obviously the red card came out and it was a case of, oh, well, uh, that's uh, that's sort of ruined. That's nailed us for a loss for the rest of the game. And then I looked at the replay and I thought that he hadn't actually made any contact. Obviously the foot's high and I was thinking, I mean, that's a bit harsh, but I can understand why he's given the red. And then for him to go over to the monitor, that's when you start thinking, okay, I think Walker-Peters is going to stay on the pitch here. And I was really glad that he... I think what we need is referees to use VAR as much as possible if there's any doubt whatsoever, because they're human. Humans make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. And I think last season, sometimes I don't... Maybe they were defended a bit too much, because obviously... Obviously, the, the referees, you don't, you don't want to admit that the man in the in the middle is getting it wrong, right. and they don't want to be saying that their referees are getting it wrong all the time. But if you're going to introduce VAR, you've got to use it. it the, the argument with me, for me is that there's nothing wrong with the technology. It's the interpretation of it by the humans that use it. So the, when people say, oh, VAR is awful, it's not. The technology is absolutely fine and it's correct it's just the interpretation and how people use you, use it and i really like the fact that john moss sort of went over to the monitor agree and you know it sort of when you, when you go to the monitor you're you're agreeing and you're you're just owning up to the fact that you you do get it wrong yeah. and he's looked at it he's had another look and that has now aided him to make the correct decision because you know if walker peters had been sent off for that it would have been really, really quite harsh. I mean, if I was a Palace fan, I would probably be thinking I, it, it is harsh, but I, can, but I can see why he's being sent off. But for them to actually go and then reverse the decision, I, I, thought, I thought that was a really good use of VAR, yeah. um, because whilst you have seen them given in the past, I think it would have been a really, really, really harsh red card. And then, obviously, he's cautioned in with a yellow, which was the right decision, in in the first instance,
0: yeah, I mean the challenge is late. The, the foot is high. Like it's definitely it's definitely worth the caution there. It just and I can understand how he gives him the red card initially based on kind of where he was standing, I guess. But um, I'm glad that that he he did go to the monitor. I'm glad, and that's something that's new this this season. They're going to encourage um, the, the referees to do. And and you think like if you're the guy sitting there and you're the VAR official you don't really want to criticize like you said the the other referee because at some point the roles could be reversed and you don't want to they they are going to be seen to kind of be taking care of one another i guess to an extent and and to allow the the referee to to make his own decision and to see it again and i think it's important because now he's he's taking what he saw live and and also seeing is this the same thing i see when i watch it back versus you know, the rest of us are just seeing it on TV. We're not, we're not getting kind of the full picture. Even if we have a bunch of different angles, we're not, we're not on the pitch. And, and there's, I think things are different on the pitch from that level. Um, and so I, I'm glad that he was able to to go over. And I think that actually people go into the monitor is going to be uh, better. I think we'll actually probably see more decisions reversed now than we did last season. Um, and I'm sure somebody from the athletic will dig into that, uh, and do something on on that. But, um, so anyway, I I wasn't I, w- I was glad that it it got overturned obviously because I was uh you know after the first half we didn't really look very good we were down one nothing we were not grading chances and then uh Kyle Walker Peters somebody we we're all super excited about was was due to be sent off and I think straight red like that I think that means uh multiple matches missing and that was not going to be uh what we what we needed going into the season um so glad glad that glad it helps um now Vestigard also came into the into the match and uh you know we have another VAR decision later on to talk about but we'll, we'll just quickly jump to to this so Vestigar comes in hits a couple of diagonals then he gets to a header um and and we nearly uh leveled the scoring with Adams making great contact uh and and uh the palace keeper coming up with a with a save to keep us out
1: yeah we did uh, when I saw it I thought that that's got to be going in and it's an incredible save and you know it's these fine margins we did create a couple of chances and I'm um on another day, Adams is breaking the back of the net and we come away with a point or maybe even three points because we've managed to turn the game around. Um, it just it just wasn't to be, but it's a really great connection and I hope that Adams gets a goal soon in this season because he did, he did exactly the same at the beginning of last season in terms of he had really good chances and he was hitting the ball cleanly, uh, but he was hitting the post or the goalie was making a really good save and then obviously his confidence went as he kept on not scoring. And for the majority of the season, he was a pretty ineffectual striker. So I hope that he does get one or two early on in the season because he ended the last season really well. And, um, and uh, with that confidence flowing through, we saw just how good a player he can be when he is hitting the back of the net.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And, and you just hope, like you said, you just hope he comes into it and is able to, to get on the score sheet and get the momentum going. and, I think if we if we do that, I think I think we're going to have to balance out the scoring a little bit this this season. Uh, we're going to have to help Ings out a little bit more. Uh, and I've, I mean, obviously, I wish Ing, uh, Adams would have scored that chance, but um, you can't fault him for for what happened on that chance. He did everything the right way; it just didn't work out. Um, and and I, I would say that's really good for Vestergaard to get to the to the header there. There were a couple of times, though, that he seemed to not jump on corners or free kicks from Palace where he gave away kind of free headers to the opposition, which is not what I want to see as somebody who is, I think, 6'6". Six, six. Like, I need you to head the ball on both sides of the pitch. Like, I need you to head it out of our penalty area and then, like, get to it uh, in theirs as well. So uh, that happens. Um, I, I guess, I mean, trying to think about other, other big kind of points in the match, uh, I don't really... I think there was a lot until the uh until Zaha was uh called offside on the on the ball over the top where the the linesman did the uh, the same thing again where they they kept the the flag down they allowed the 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 play to play all the way out Palace scored they then went back and reviewed it and 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 took it away so uh it was a tight decision but I think it was the right decision and um we were playing with fire a little bit at that point but um the I think the right decision made once again
1: yeah, the right decision was made. He was offside, as as tight as it was. You know, you've got to draw the line somewhere. And unfortunately for 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 Palace, that it was uh, it was literally just a, a couple a couple of inches. But I think that showed as well that that I say goal inadverted, inadverted commas because um, Saints were so far forwards, they left an incredibly high line, and it just took one ball over the top and had Zaha. Times run a little bit better then it would be 2-0 and definitely game over. So Saints definitely let off on that one. But yeah, it, it was the correct it was the correct call.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um okay, well I think I mean I think the the last thing is, is Zing's had a chance there at the very end. Uh it doesn't come off. And and that's basically it. Kind of a not not a real strong finish from Saints, not a real match to write home about. Um, but something that we can put behind us knowing that we go into Wednesday uh, with a chance to play at home and a chance to advance in the cup uh, against a team that I think a lot of people wanted to be promoted last season, uh, and they fell kind of just short. So to um, be honest, you know, I not super familiar with Brentford. Um, they haven't been in the Premier League in, in a while. So um, as a, you know, you, you can call me a plastic American fan, whatever. Uh, some of these teams are, are new. I was, I was excited to have them up because uh, there's a lot of talk about the way they run their club. Uh, in terms of, of, uh, promoting players and, uh, giving players from other, uh, teams that have kind of, uh, not made the cut, uh, bringing them in and allowing them a second chance and then selling them on again for a significant amount of money. So, uh, I was, I was really looking forward to, to them coming up and of course they, they didn't, it didn't happen, but, um, we get them in the cup and, uh, I don't know if you are, uh, looking forward to that match or or not. And then we'll, we'll answer a couple of questions from listeners before, before we, we get out of here.
1: I'm, I am looking forward to the game purely because it's you know it's a game that Saints are involved in, so it's one that you're always excited for. And even if it's the even if it's the uh, the second round of the cup or whatever, and um, I think it's a good opportunity for Saints to put the game against Palace behind them and play a strong team, get a couple of goals. Brentford, I was looking forward to having in the Premier League. I think I'd rather have them in the league than than Fulham because I don't think Fulham offer that much. And I think Brentford would have been really exciting. So it's going to be, it's going to be a tough game. That's for sure. Yeah. They've lost a few players, but this is, this is a team that really should, should have been playing Arsenal on Saturday, um, in in the place of Fulham. So it's not, it's not going to be easy and they still, they still run very well and they will have got good replacements and they are, they play very good football. They just didn't do it at the right time last season. So it's by no means going to be, uh, a three, four-nil comfortable win for Saints. Um, but it's a good, it's a good chance to play a strong team, get the loss out of our system, and hopefully start uh, start with one game at home, one win.
0: Yeah, yeah, which will be something different for us. Uh, and I found my Crystal Palace stat; they had never won at opening day in the Premier League at home. So uh, we 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 set that record straight yesterday by allowing them to to do it to us. So uh, there we go. Um, but like you said, it's done now, and we're gonna we're gonna move on. Uh, we have a couple of listener questions. Uh, people can always drop their questions uh, on on Twitter, or Instagram, Facebook, wherever you follow the show. You can do it on the website. There's basically any way you want to get in touch. Uh, we can do that. Patrons do have a priority for having their questions answered on the show each and every week. Uh, but this week we have just a couple of questions from from listeners. So first we have a question from Saints World. You can follow on Instagram at underscore saints world underscore. Uh, they say very flat performance no need to be reactionary but it shows we need another six role another another defensive midfielder another person to play alongside Ward Um, what's what's your kind of um approach to that uh, ralph mentioned that that we do need to improve uh, we do need to add players to the, to the squad um but w- what's your interpretation uh, of that question and what's uh, how, how would you address that
1: i personally think we need two players in two different positions i think that Obviously, we need to get someone in for Hojbjerg because we are incredibly light in midfield. I mean, if either Ramey or Ward-Prowse gets injured, then we're left with Smallbone being moved into that position. And then, you know, the actual backup on the bench would involve moving players out of position and it'd just be a youth player. And until we get points on the board, do we really want to be relying on, on youth players uh, at the moment? I think that, yeah, we need to get in that number six. I don't know who it's going to be. The rumours seem to have gone a bit flat. I don't have any knowledge of exactly who we are looking to get. But I'd say another position we do need is one in that sort of fast attacking mid area on the right because if Armstrong's going to be out for a little bit, then we've seen from the Palace game and from a few games as well previously that small bone doesn't offer the attacking threat that we need. So we need someone to go on that right side. Yeah, we've got Genepo as well, but you know he can be a bit hot and cold. We need someone to... Or, almost a similar to player, similar player to Buffao, but Buffao just he's so inconsistent, mm-hmm. and you just don't know like how many chances can you give him to be that player, to be that creative spark that we need. So I think one of the rumors I have seen is uh, Wesley Hoot going to Bruges and us getting a cup price deal on Emmanuel Dennis, who I think is a really quite exciting talent. I don't, I think it'd be quite a coup for Saints. So if we could get him on that right side, that'd be that'd be a really brilliant addition. But yeah, we do. Those are the two positions we need. To, we need to get reinforcements. I'd probably concentrate more on the central mid because, as I said, that is incredibly light in terms of squad depth at the moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say that obviously we play. With two sixes in terms of Ward-Prowse and then whoever accompanies him, and, and most often it was it was Hoiberg before, and then Romeu. Um, But I also think that that at a game like yesterday, we just get exposed for not having that creative kind of player that's there. Um, but there aren't a lot of players that that are going to do that. You know, there, there are not a lot of players that can that can put in the defensive work, um, do the pressing, and have the ability to to break up play and and create all of those chances. So you're looking for a very kind of specific skill set. Uh, obviously, we have a, a price range we have to deal with as well. So um, I don't think we just need a straight defensive midfielder. We don't want necessarily two Remyu sitting next to each other. Um, not that I, I'm not criticizing Remyu. We're just if we're going to be in a situation where we're going to have possession, we're going to be forced to break teams down. It's going to be difficult to 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 find that player within our within our system. Um, and then out wide, I mean, yeah, we do have options in terms of Buffal and Janepo, But you, you you said both of them are kind of uh, inconsistent and um you know Ralph Ralph was asked if if Buffal could be one of the players that, that moves on he was not even in the squad uh on, on Saturday but they said that was i think to allow Tella to spend time with the first team so um i don't know it's going to be it's going to be a, a kind of a wait and see approach i guess to see if uh if, if Ralph or if Buffal does choose to move on um i i hadn't heard anything about that until until just recently so we'll just have to wait and see but um a, a couple of other questions that we have here um Al Capone 156 says, did, do you think Redmond looked bad or was it just him that thought that? What was your take on, on the way Redmond played yesterday? Um, I'll be honest, I didn't notice him a whole lot, doing a whole lot. Um, but, but what did you make, make of Redmond's uh, match yesterday or Saturday? I,
1: I, wouldn't, I wouldn't particularly single him out. I think it's a case of, you know, as a team collectively, we do struggle to break down down teams that do have men behind the ball and redmond is a perfect player to have if you're against a team that you can counter against and we know that if he has got space to run in behind and you know we can counter against those particular teams that do like to come out and play football then he's a perfect player to have because he can run at the he can run at the box incredibly quickly he can carry the ball from one end of the pitch to the other in no time at all but he's not the kind of player that can unlock a defense really um he's more of a direct forward so I don't necessarily think he did poorly yesterday. He had a couple of chances. And when he did get the ball, he did try and run towards the box as much as he could. But it's a case of, you know, we, the, the team, everyone was below par yesterday. And as much as Red, like Redman can't do much, aside from running it towards the edge of the box, if the whole team are you know, you're struggling to actually get the final ball to your striker and the rest of the team aren't exactly on the same level, Mm-hmm. then any, any, anyone's going to look disappointing. There are several players that you can pick out and think. I mean, Danny Ings, you know, 22 goals last season. Um, he had a poor game, but again, that was he wasn't getting the service. But did we really notice Danny Ings that much on the pitch yesterday? I mean, as much as we love him, he didn't. And yeah, he was feeding off scraps. But in terms of the Danny Ings that we were seeing at the end of last season where he was coming quite deep, he was creating chances and then finishing them himself by starting off the move, you know, it's the first game of the season. If the four, if Redmond continues to be anonymous for the next five or six, then yeah, I'll call him out on it. But you know, it's too early to make that kind of judgment.
0: Yeah. And especially with only having janepo in the, in the, on the bench, really you could, I mean, you could bring on a youngster, uh, but really, I mean, there was never any real chance he was going to come off the pitch unless he was just had an absolute shocker, but um, his rating according to who scored 6.3, Uh, Vestergaard had the best rating of any player at 7.3. Um, but, but across the pitch, uh, sixes and sevens, which I think sums up the day. Um, and by sevens, I mean, there was one seven (laughs) other than Vestergaard, which was Romeo, uh, even though I thought he gave the ball away for, for that goal. But, um, anyway, that, that, that's there. Um, and and I think we've kind of addressed another question than that we, we had possession, but I don't think it's because we wanted it. I think it's because that's what Crystal Palace gave us to work with. And, I mean, you could play this thing where you just keep giving them the ball back. Uh, you could just lump it up the field and then try to press them, but uh, it it didn't really work. Um, and and so I, I I'm I, I don't know if there's really anything to talk about there in terms of I think we've kind of covered it where Palace just basically forced us to to, to play the way we did. We were They were going to give us the ball and try to hit us on the counter. Um, They played like an away team for for much of the game. Uh, And with no crowd, I guess that's the way it goes. Um, The game uh, against Crystal Palace kicked off at 3 p.m. in the UK, which is 7 a.m. here. Uh, Normal. Everybody's fine with that. Next week, though, we take on Spurs. I believe the game is at noon uh, in the UK, which means 4 a.m. here. Uh, And Al Capone's other question says, how early? is too early for a beer. I'll be honest. I didn't drink yesterday, uh, mostly because I had to drive places after uh, and do some things uh, as a family after the match. But uh, 4 a.m. I think might even be pushing it for uh, you actually can't even buy alcohol in in California at 4 a.m. It's against the law from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. to buy alcohol. So um, how early is too early for a beer? What's the what's the if I have a beer watching Spurs? Is that is that okay?
1: It's four o'clock in the morning. You know, I, 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 I don't think there's any problem with maybe having one or two. But um, obviously, if it's a case of we lose and uh, you need to drown your sorrows, then you don't want to exactly be uh, drunk by by six or seven o'clock in the morning. That would not be a good start to uh, to, a, to a Sunday.
0: No, no. Especially with limited recovery time going into the, the work week after that. I don't know. I don't know how you do it. Uh, I can say I think the earliest I've had a beer... When we lost to Chelsea in the what was it the FA Cup semifinal maybe a couple of seasons ago, um, I don't remember. I just remember we were down at some point, and I just said, "You know what? It's time." But I think that was already like a slightly later kickoff. So I, I don't know. I I, I don't see my, I don't foresee myself uh, having a beer at 4 a.m. Um, mostly just because I'll judge myself more than anybody will judge me. But uh, probably probably extra cups of coffee, get to bed early Saturday night. And uh, you know, just be a whole barrel of fun for my family uh, after after that match. Hopefully, we get a win. But um, anyway, I, I would say that uh, you know, is your has your enthusiasm for the team has it has it has it dipped at all, or is this just it's a start to the season and we're going to move forward and, and you're you're still looking forward to to what Ralph and and the guys have in store for the rest of the season.
1: Well, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the season. You know, it's it's a disappointment that you don't get off to a good start, but here's a couple of stats for you because Saints just are notoriously bad at starting seasons. I mean, if you want one if anyone's feeling a bit down, first of all I put out on Twitter that our best start since we got promoted to the Premier League in 2012 was 5 points after 3 games. This is after 3 Premier League games. So our highest points total is 5 points and that was achieved by Maurizio Pellegrino and we all know how that season finished. In fact, the season that we finished sixth, the best season we've uh, we've we've had, Ronald Koeman had two points after the first three games, and that was a draw away to Newcastle, a 3-0 home defeat to Everton, and then a I think it was a 0-0 draw with Watford who were newly promoted. And after those three games we were just thinking what on earth are we watching here? I mean, we had, at that point, we had much better players than we than we did then. We even had like Pella, we had Mane, Tadic. So, I mean, even last season, you know, we didn't get our first win until the third game in. So, it's, obviously, if we, if we haven't won a game in like five or six games' time, then, yeah, start to get worried. But it's the first game of the season. And who knows, if you and I had this conversation this time next week, we could be talking about... Two wins a win against Brentford a win against Spurs and then suddenly the outlook on the season is a lot better. It's just the first game of the season. Yeah, we lost. It's a shame. Um, 37 to go and I'm sure we're in for one hell of a roller coaster.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I honestly don't think we'd have it any other way. So here we go. And it, it's it, it's a long season. still 38 games. It will be compressed a little bit. But um, I think part of what we have to do is just make sure we stay, you know, stay with the team. Don't give up on the team yet it's I mean we we stuck with them through nine nil right and and I'm gonna say it just so so the commentators it doesn't hurt it doesn't hurt so much if I say it so we stuck with them through that we can stick with them through a, a fairly poor performance uh against a stubborn crystal palace team and um I think that's I think that's just what it is but um Tom as always it's a pleasure uh to have you on the show I appreciate you you coming on People want to follow you on Twitter. They can do that at t two one four Murray. They can also follow the Under the Lights podcast at under underscore saints on Twitter. Um, And I don't I don't want to like take your steal your thunder, but like you got a guest coming on this week. Uh, If you want to tell people about it, you can. If not, I'll cut this and it'll be fine.
1: I know we're very excited. We've got uh, Joe Prince Wright, who works for uh, his lead uh, writer at NBC Sports. So we we've got him coming on. He's going to be talking about np nbc and what they do with the premier league in the usa and also he's uh very much a, a Southampton fan so we'll be uh, we'll be chatting all things saints so yeah looking forward looking forward to having uh him on the show but matt thank you very much for having me on again it's always a always a pleasure to come and come and talk and hopefully next time we'll be uh talking on the back of a win
0: absolutely absolutely we'll enjoy talking to jpw about jwp and everything else and uh yeah we'll have you back on here again and um Yeah, I mean, until then, just just thanks a lot. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. And that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. Special thanks goes out to this week's guest, Tom Murray. You can find him on Twitter at T214Murray. You can also get in touch with the Under the Lights podcast at under underscore saints, Those two links, plus more, including Alan March Sport, are all in the show notes. If you know of a football fan who is blind or partially sighted who you think would benefit from the audio description commentary, please pass that information along. Uh, It is a really big part of what Tom gets to do when we get fans back in the stadium. The show is supported by a number of people on patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. You would like access to a private chat priority for having your questions answered on the show, the occasional bonus episode, and a little bit more, please head over to patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery and sign up. The show is also partnered with the Southampton page. You can find them on Twitter at Southampton page and on Instagram at Southampton page one. And there you can stay up to date with everything that's going on around Southampton football club. And maybe instead of the day-to-day news, you'd like to get in touch with the history and culture of the Southampton Football Club. Uh, for that, you can head on over to the Saints Archive, the other partner of the show. Uh, links to both of those are in the show notes. The logo for the show is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. And all music comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song that you heard at the top of the show was Epic Song by Boxcat Games and the end of show credits that you're listening to right now. His aim is true by pottington bear that does it for this week but we will of course be back next week and um, hopefully we have a, a couple of wins to talk about or at least you know something more exciting than what we saw this week but uh either way until then we met together we march on.